0: All right. Okay, I'm gonna ask right away then. Uh, one by one, starting with you, Ruth. Could you I- introduce yourself uh, and give us like one quirky fact about yourself? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, my name is Ruth. Um, I really want to be a grandma. Uh
0: that's a great fact. I like that. Go ahead.
2: That's cute. You're
1: good.
2: Uh, my name is Sebastian. Quirky fact about me: My I don't know actually how many greats, but one of my great great something great grandpas invented tennis. He, yeah, he's the guy. Impressive. He's the guy.
1: <laughs>
3: my name's Jay. Um, I really want to say I'm friends with someone whose great great grandpa invented tennis. Um, uh, I, yeah, that's actually my quirky fact. <laughs> Seven, I <laughs> are <hour> friends. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and Ruth
0: is a mental health or psychiatric nurse at SFU currently. Uh, Seb is in his first year of the Masters of Counseling program at Trinity, and Jason in his second year of that same program. And so uh, we are very excited to open up this conversation this morning. And so there's a couple different topics that we're going to go through. There was a couple questions that came in last week that we're hoping we can engage with throughout the, the whole of our conversation this morning. But I'm gonna read a prompt to get us going and then uh, we're gonna allow uh, this amazing panel to engage with it. And so I, I hope you're you're excited and you're open and, and you're listening and ready to hopefully learn something new this morning because I was able to sit with them on the Friday and I learned a lot in a short period of time. So uh, mental health, it's a wide topic and There's a higher level of awareness in our society today, perhaps more than ever around the topic, but that doesn't mean that we actually understand it. I advocate that the truest definition of a word is often seen in the action from it, not simply the thought behind it. So with that in mind, I think culture doesn't actually have a healthy awareness of it. The two ways that we approach it are as something to be frightened of or something to make fun of. Uh, Movies, songs, idioms, TV shows, books, the things which feed our imagination and internal concept of reality are telling a different narrative around the topic than what the perceived awareness of the topic would say is right. So if society makes fun of it, if church ignores it, and if people fear it, how can we understand what it is to actually deal with the topic of mental health? And so I'm going to do this first actually. When I say the phrase or the, the word mental health what are the words that you associate with it what are the thoughts that come to mind how do we how do we think about it immediately when we hear the phrase mental health what is mental health
1: can I start yeah go for it so from a healthcare lens um, Mental health is actually the health of your mental capacity, of your mind, of your emotions, of your thinking, um, that resilience that you have, that flexibility you have or don't have, that balance that you can practice, um, that ability to relate to yourself or others. So it's that sense of um, health of of your overall psychosocial well-being, not just illness or disease.
3: And Ruth, as you're talking, you differentiated between mental health and mental illness. Um, There's a spectrum there, and I think when we consider mental health, most people jump immediately to mental illness. Um, Major depression, schizophrenia, whatever one popped up, I imagine, for you in your head. Um, And it's an important distinction to make that everything is on this spectrum. Mental illness, um, we have a book called the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, 5, it's the 5th edition. Um, um, the DSM, DSM-5. we call it the big purple book. Um, uh, and it basically lists um, major depressive disorder and all of the disorders with a bunch of symptoms. Um, so mental illness is essentially when someone checks off all the boxes for one of those disorders um, in in the book. Um, but mental health, kind of as Ruth was saying, is is that sense of um when you're about to do a panel discussion and you feel a little nervous when um you're really excited about something and as you're excited somebody somebody's excited with you um when something sad happens and you feel sad all of that's related to to our mental health it's it's our biology it's um how we relate interpersonally and it's all related to our psychology what i think is under a bigger umbrella of um maybe spiritual.
2: Yeah, I guess I would say, um, and this is a bit more from an existential lens, but I think it is our thoughts, feelings, and even physical sensations um, that have to do with the relationship with uh, ourselves, with being in the world, uh, being with others, and just being with ourselves. That's pretty general, but yeah. Uh,
0: so how can we differentiate between some like, common misconceptions around the topic? So. Is there a difference that we need to recognize between like depression versus being depressed?
1: You starting with that, you?
3: Oh, um, uh, yeah. I think um, so. I see clients as a clinical counselor, um, and I have discussions oftentimes with with clients where we use the word depression. Like they they come in and say, "I'm depressed," and immediately in my head, I go to this big purple book and I'm like, do they, do they fit this criteria? Um, Whether they fit it or not, it doesn't make a difference. What I would say is like, oh, you check all the boxes, Um, but whether or not they check the boxes or not, they're sad. Their experience of um, life feels sad, they feel depressed, it's this lowness. Um, And how I would differentiate that and part of even like the mental illness comment is, when we think mental illness, we think them. We think, oh, that's, that's overwhelming, that's on the outside. Um, but if mental illness is major depressive disorder and you have a bunch of checklists, but we can all relate to being sad, um, it's, it, it's a bit of both, um, if you see where I'm going with that.
1: So I think it's important to, to remember, too, that I can feel depressed on any given day when bad stuff happens, life doesn't turn out the way I want, but it's different than experiencing depression which goes on day in and day out and that sense of, I don't see anything wrong but there's something wrong going inside, on inside of me. I can't seem to get ahead of the game, right? I can't seem to deal with, with life.
2: Yeah, I think what, what goes on for me even hearing this is I hear the, the use of like language and how when we don't really know exactly what's going on, we kind of, we try to find a word to kind of capture the essence of what it is, like, what am I actually experiencing? And the word depressed, that's, that comes up pretty quickly, I think, when we feel sad. Um, But yeah, I mean, part of that is, I mean, I think it kind of touches on the idea that we don't really know enough about mental health in general, like, we're kind of just getting into that conversation, and so um, language like that can be really helpful for people, but as we kind of dig deeper into like what are my actual emotions, uh, I figure out difference between primary emotion and uh, what am I just labeling this, um, and sometimes labels can be unhelpful. Um, but yeah. Do we do we label individuals and
0: in turn uh, get rid of any responsibility for ourselves in like, dealing with it? Is that sometimes something we do?
2: Could you uh, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: yeah like um, how, how how would you approach someone that is giving that kind of language to you? Would you send them for help? Would you be their counselor?
2: Yeah, I guess for me, what comes up is I have people in my life who are depressed or who are even in the DSM five. Like they, they meet they meet the criteria, but if I'm hearing somebody telling telling me that they're depressed, I think for me, I want to ask them questions. I want to figure out like, what do you really mean by that? Um, not in a way that's saying like, oh, I don't believe you, um, but just like, okay, I really wanna understand your experience, um, okay, like is this, is this kind of a language thing that we're talking about, or is this something that maybe we should uh, refer to actual professional help?
1: And you know, I'm just wondering if I can tell my story here about, about my, one of my clients, my, one of the students that came in to see me, and, and sometimes individuals aren't even aware of the depression that's going on. So I had a student come in and on the triage form he filled out that he wanted to build self-confidence. Got him into the office and I thought, oh this would be easy peasy, let's just see what he needs and maybe refer him on to counseling. I'm not a counselor, I'm a therapist, clinician, a nurse, I do skills. Um, But got talking further with him and found out that he was actually uh, kind of at the end of his rope and he was Um, wanting to jump out in front of the train. He was wanting to um, and he took the Surrey SkyTrain every day and he was standing there and he would watch it and then he started envisioning himself going off the third floor balcony and he was seriously depressed. He and he had no clue what was wrong with him. He had been experiencing over two and a half years of his life just falling apart, quitting school. Um, friends had isolated him, he had failed his classes, he had, didn't even register for classes, and he had only three left to graduate. And he came in looking for help with his confidence. Now, what we did is we had to figure out that actually he needed further help. He needed medical help. And that's where um, we got him in to see the doctor, not every student is like that, not everybody needs medication, but at that point his life was in danger and we needed to get a medical perspective. Good news is he did go on medication reluctantly, and this week he came in to see me. Um, and not every story has a rosy ending, but, and it's not the end, that's for sure. But he came in and, he, and I said, whoa, you got some new clothes, and he looks at me like, and he grinned, he hadn't grinned ever in the time I'd seen him, and, he said, how do you know? And he said, I went shopping for the first time in a year. He says, but how did you know I got new clothes? And I said, well, you came in every week in the same dirty sweatpants, so it's obvious you cleaned happened. up, right? But his life, he, he came in with a notepad. He wanted to take notes. He wanted to, he had registered for class. And, and giving that lifeline to him to get him, get him help was an important feature in, in managing his depression. Not everybody's at that end of their rope. But when they are, we need to we need to get that help. We need to go further.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so if if we could move on from just what is mental health, what is uh, what's a like a lasting thought that we can leave everybody with? Like, what is mental health? What's something that we can
2: kind of sum it up with? Yeah, I mean, I. I guess kind of like I said before, it's really what is our experience? Um, is my experience living life good? Uh, is it creating function or is it
3: dysfunctional? Um, do I want to improve that? Um, yeah. Even to just add to that, if you feel like life is dysfunctional, like that's okay. That doesn't make you any less human as someone who feels mm-hmm. functional. Um, yeah, just as a along.
1: And dysfunction doesn't mean you have a mental illness either, right? A lot of us can lead chaotic lives and that doesn't mean we're all...
0: That's great. Okay, uh, I'm gonna read a story and, and, and I want to preface this by saying that it can, it can be heavy, so uh, just be aware as we are uh, listening together. It is hard to describe, this is a college student in the midst of depression, and they wrote this. It says, it is hard to describe the feeling of depression. Maybe the best explanation is to picture yourself as the captain of a ship. Because that's what it's like for me. It was as though I was sinking, sinking, sinking. Only there was no hole in my ship. I looked around and examined the hull, thinking, hmm. This is very interesting because my boat is fine. I'm taking pretty good care of it, keeping it clean and polished, and we've been cruising along fine until now. I must have hit something, an iceberg or something. There's no ice though, and no hole in your hull. So you examine whether water is coming over the side, something you hadn't noticed. You're still only sinking very slowly, so you're not overly concerned. So slow is the sinking that it's barely perceptible. It's a little bit troublesome though because you're accustomed to having everything just right on your ship. People are always very impressed with how well you as the captain are able to maintain your ship. How do you find the time they ask? But there is trouble. Pretty soon it's like the Titanic and you're sinking really fast and it's terrifying. It's terrifying because there is no explanation and you're bailing the water over the edge as fast as you possibly can but you can't keep up. You send the women and the children into the lifeboats, Some of the most valued crew members are trying to help, but there isn't much you can do. The anxiety and stress is overwhelming. In your confusion, you can't even tell them what they can do to help. Then they try to help by telling you, come on, just patch up the hole, and everything will be fine. You've just got to put your mind to it. Now you're crying. I just don't know why the boat is sinking. If I knew I would do something about it, I just don't know why this is happening. And finally, you tell them, save yourselves and leave me alone. It is my ship, and there's nothing you can do to help. So just get into the lifeboats and row away from me. So confused, they lower the last lifeboat into the crashing seas and row away. And as they leave you, you think maybe you would have liked to go with them, but it's too late now. And you're left alone with your sinking ship and only the sound of the waves as they break over the bow of the boat.
3: Maybe just take a moment and just notice how that story impacts you. Notice what happens in your body. Do you feel a sinking sensation? Do you feel like you connect to this? Does it bring up memories, um, stories, ideas? Do you feel that sense of panic? Of what's the answer for me? What's the answer for him? Um, do you feel disconnected from it? Um, if so, that's okay. But maybe ask yourself what wh- what is it that keeps me from connecting to that story? Um, and just take note what emotions might come up, thoughts or sensations of what's happening in your body. As I hear that, um, I feel like a sinking sensation in my chest. It feels hollow and empty. And I hear his panic and I desperately get the sense of like, oh my gosh, I want your panic to end. Like, oh, people are just throwing cliches at you, move on, just do this. And I I just want to sit with him, and even that sensation, I just want to sit with him. He must feel so alone, of just the waves going, and this hopelessness as he sinks. Um, And that's that's what hits me, is he feels alone. And I I wonder what it would be like if somebody sat there with him. I don't know what you guys felt. Yeah, I think the first
2: time I heard that story, I remember and even even now, like, the base of my chest just starting to kind of, like, tighten and kind of going into my stomach. Um, yeah, just this, ugh. And I love, like, how honestly he's able to put it, just this idea that, like, everyone's looking to help me, everyone's trying to figure out what's wrong with my boat, um, wants to get me out of the situation. But I, you know, he's saying, like, ah, oh, there's nothing wrong with my boat. Like, I don't know how somebody can help me. Uh, this is confusing. And I get this sense of like, people are there to tell him like, your boat's not allowed to be sinking right now. Um, I need to get you out of this or I need to leave. And just this feeling of like, yeah, that totally makes sense why he wants to say, yeah, go save yourself. This is me. I have to be in this by myself. Like, ah, that kills me. Yeah.
1: And I kind of wonder if, um Relating this story back to my client, that if somebody had been able to come alongside of him and kind of made sense of what was going down with him, if he might not have reached that point where he needed to, or he got to that point where he started thinking that there was no hope, and that by the time he had come in to see me, I not only could sit with him in that sinking ship, but I had to send out or throw out a life jacket, and I had to get him to medical care, right? But it, maybe if somebody would have been w- willing to sit with him in that boat earlier, um, maybe he wouldn't have got to that point.
3: And take a moment to just feel the atmosphere of the room right now. Like it feels heavy, it, it feels uncomfortable. Um, and we get into this place where like, what do we, what do we do with some of that heaviness? just take note of what even just sitting here feels like for you part of this is you guys are engaging in empathy right now um, just by sitting and feeling in it which is a good thing so welcome
1: yeah and I can see the expression on some of your faces as you're sitting there experiencing that with this story
2: Yeah, I love the idea I mean and we were talking about this uh, on Friday but you know what what is kind of our role um as a friend, for example, um, is it our job to, to sit in that boat with this person um, to say, hey, I'm not here to help you to necessarily give you advice to get you out of this situation, but I'm just here to kind of experience standing in this boat with you um, so you're not completely by yourself. Um, and there's a lot of questions around that because you know what if what if that boat, you know quote unquote, what if what if that's something like suicide? What if that's something really serious uh, that a friend, necessarily, they're not totally equipped to handle? Um, is that a time where, you know, you just want to sit in that with them or you're saying, hey, we need to get this personal life jacket. We need to we need to get them out of the situation just for some temporary safety. Um, or what if my friend is just going through a really rough time? Ah, I just broke up with my girlfriend. This is really hard. Um, so rather than saying, oh, these are the five steps, you know, uh, to feel better after you know breaking up with your girlfriend, just being able to sit with that person and be like, "Man, like, I see how sad that makes you. That's so, that's tough, you know." And I
3: can just, I can just be in this with you. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, um, people always are like, "What are some practical tools to get me out of out of things?" Which they're good and helpful. But sometimes I I, I picture like this you of when people. Change or go through therapy or whatever it is, um, and it's um, so picture you, and then just picture a dotted line cutting through the top half. So you feel you see these two peaks, and I think when people see someone, they see above the dotted line, like oh, hard behaviors, better behaviors, oh, so so it's it's this behavioral analysis. Those behaviors changed. So m- maybe if I just change my behaviors and start doing something better, like in the story, someone said. Like, come on, just get through it. If I just put my mind to it. Um, which can work. There's theories out there. But when, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, what about this? This process of, like, sinking. Like, the idea of, like, going down into the depths of that boat sinking. Part of what I hear in the story is like, oh, the boat's sinking because he feels alone. I wonder if someone sat with him if all of a sudden, even though it feels so counterintuitive, you, you want this person to start swimming, I wonder if we actually sat there with him in the boat, if it would flip and then the boat would start coming up. Um, and that's essentially like what I hope to do as a friend and what I hope to do um, as a therapist as well. Yeah, and,
0: and this is having the
3: conversation
0: around like depression, really specifically. Um, but I think we, we often like, misinterpret the differences between depression and anxiety. So could, could you elaborate on that? How, how can we differentiate in understanding
3: those two areas? Yeah, uh, Just a plug, come to my workshop. Well, I guess it's, it's all. About, uh, listen to my workshop on Thursday, because that's what this is all about. Um, uh, I guess the technical definition, anxiety is considered uh, an anticipation or a fear of a future threat. If you have an anxiety disorder, you have six-plus symptoms um, that make you feel anxious, keyed up. You can feel that in your body. There's this tension, racing thoughts. um, uh, Oftentimes in your body, you you feel the tension, your breathing increases, um, and your breath is shallow, and your heart rate increases. Um, All of those things are um, part of, if you're feeling that um, for a frequent amount of time, constantly, every day for a long time, that's probably connected to an, anx- an anxiety disorder. Um, however, we all feel anxious. I woke up feeling anxious and this tension um, because I'm gonna be sitting in front of a lot of people with a mic in my hand. Um, uh, so that's maybe differentiating anxiety and depression. Um, so... A-
1: AJ, can I just yeah, jump no, for in sure. real quickly? So health perspective, right, is that anxiety is really adaptive. We all need it. And I think when I see my students coming in uh, to the clinic, they're all, I have anxiety, I can't cope. I'm going, great, you have anxiety. You need anxiety. It's protective, right? We need that anxious feeling in order to prepare today. We needed that anxious feeling to get our taxes done this year. We need that anxious feeling to get our assignments in. We need it. But it's when it becomes a disorder it gets uh, to that extreme and it's monopolizing our well-being, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry about the plug.
3: Oh no, Sorry. that's great. As a, as a teaser to the workshop, we'll be going through this, but picture a window and picture a little heart rate kind of monitor. Things can stress us out, that's normal. We can feel anxious, things can kind of calm us down. Anything that stays within this window, we can tolerate. But if you start freaking out, maybe you're at a workplace where, um, things are just really stressful. When you break through this and you break through that upper window, you enter a state of what's called hyperarousal, um, which might relate into a a big um, panic attack. You might, you'll feel all of the um, symptoms of anxiety up here. At the bottom of this window is called hypoarousal and that's associated more with a a depression or a numbness and an, an absence of feeling.
2: Something I found helpful to think about anxiety is that um, calling it a secondary emotion. So that means that uh, it is a response to a primary emotion. So if I feel um, afraid, if I feel anger, if I feel sad, uh, anxiety is what um, my body does to protect me in response to that emotion. So um, sympathetic nervous system, uh, that's something that everybody has that activates when my body's trying to say uh, you need protection, you need to survive. Um, and so sometimes that's really appropriate uh, and there are appropriate levels of survival, um, but sometimes we have experiences where our body says you need to be surviving all of the time. I'm in the library and somebody's behind me and my anxiety goes up. Um, you know, When we talk about is that a helpful level of anxiety? Sometimes, yeah, it is. Because um, our experiences, they, they teach my body that. Um, but then we, we go into this place where, oh, this level of anxiety doesn't seem appropriate in the setting when I feel safe. And so that's kind of when we start looking at counseling, for example. Um, but yeah, I guess, in essence, uh, anxiety is perfectly normal and it is there to protect you, yeah. That's
0: great. Um, so if that's the differences between like depression and anxiety and then if we circle back to the idea of like depress, depression and knowing people who are struggling through it or if we ourselves are also, how do we, how do we respond, what, what is our role in that story of someone else's struggle?
1: So it's a uh, education about, well, it sounds like you're just really anxious. It sounds like it's a normal response. Um, sometimes it's the education around feeling depressed versus that person that comes in and flops in the chair and goes, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm going, yeah, well, you know, that might be some other emotion going on there. Um, and then there's times when I need to get, people need to see the doctor. Right, They need to seek medical help. They need to seek um, a professional that has expertise to recommend treatment, recommend medication. Medication, um, all bugs don't deserve drugs, but, and not every mental health illness needs drugs, but at, there are times when medication is needed to get people back to that place where their body can actually do the thing, can do the behavioral changes, can move from that point to point B. Sometimes they need to see a psychiatrist. Sometimes they need to see a psychologist. Psychiatrist is is that um, medical professional who's um, gonna probably use the purple book to do some diagnosing and maybe recommend uh, medication um, to help you manage.
2: Yeah, I guess some of the way that I, I think about this question, what is what should our response be? Um, you know, obviously, Ajay and I, for example, we're going into this field of counseling and so we're, we're learning these different things and we're being, becoming equipped uh, for how to support people um, in need. But I kind of want to more touch on like, how do we as people who aren't specifically in the field of counseling, how do we support people who are going through problems and just challenges in general? Um, and that's, I mean, little plug for my workshop next Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> That's essentially all we're gonna be talking about is, um, as a friend, how do I support somebody? Um, and so just very quickly, yeah, I mean, it, what, what that's about is, um, and I, we, we, we talked about this on Friday, I really loved uh, what Ruth said about, um, am I being an expert or am I being curious? And so if I'm with a friend who has a problem, and I come in, this, in that space and say, I'm an expert. I know exactly what you need. here. Here's the solutions to your problems. Um, that person doesn't actually get to experience what they're really going through. You're kind of actually communicating, you're not allowed to feel this way, and it is my job to get you out of this situation. Um, and what I would kind of argue is that uh, ways to be a good friend are hearing what they're experiencing, being curious, saying, I actually don't know what your experience is. Help me understand so I can sit with you better.
3: Um, sometimes I think when, when someone comes to you with a problem, there's the sense of like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. What do I do? And even that question, what do I do? It's, it's sort of a question about you know this. I don't know this and oftentimes people are like I don't know it either. So there's this sense of we want to give an answer to a question because that's what we're learned to do. Someone asks a question, what's the answer? Um, um, So there's this, it's natural to feel like oh I I need to rescue them because they're asking me to be rescued and it goes right into that sense of um, it's a setup to make it seem like someone needs to be an expert because people will often say, how do I help people? I'm not a counselor. Um, but the nice thing about listening is you don't need to be an expert at that. It's, it's you just need to be you. You just need to sit there and, and be curious and just little insight into what I'm working on as I'm growing to become a better therapist. So consider this a little like tidbit of how to, what does a therapist do to, to be better? Anytime that I feel like I'm giving advice, I immediately jump to I'm, I'm not doing this very well because maybe I'm uncomfortable with the scenario and it probably would be better if I can just sit here and hear them and let them know that their experience is valid and, and, and what that does is it, it affirms their humanity and it affirms their experience of, of being a person. Um,
1: because I think we all have experienced when we go to somebody, and, or somebody comes to us and says, what should I do, and we give them an answer and they go and do the total opposite, right? They didn't really want us to tell them what to do, and that's the same when, when somebody's struggling with um, any kind of mental issues, mental health um, issues that are causing distress, is they don't want to be told what to do, they want to be heard. They want, they want the space to be listened to and they want you to not be thinking, oh what am I going to say next because I don't know what to answer Right? it's just sitting, asking the questions, being curious
3: and as Ruth was saying that I, I pictured and I'm sure you guys might even like, resonate with this feeling, I have it, where someone's talking and you're not really listening, you're, you're in your head, you're up here trying to be like, what do I say, what do I say back, um, but uh, what, what we're saying is just be with them, but that's hard it's hard because we go to this place. What do I need to say? Um, so if you catch yourself doing that, um, just recognize that know that that's okay. Um, we all do it. Um, but, but try to come back, be like, okay, I have all these thoughts. What would it be like for me to actually just sit here and just be here? Um, and, and my, my hunch is, is that you'll, you'll probably just by being present, you'll start identifying. Oh, Oh, this this is what's going on for them and you can just reiterate that even what we did with the hearing that story like I, I got moved to a place of like oh he feels alone rather than being like oh this is this is all the five steps to not be depressed anymore it's like oh almost well, what a tragedy if I gave him those five steps because what he needed was someone to sit there with him and I could do that
1: yeah, and in all my years of experience, and it's not that many, even though it's, it's a few, it's a few more than my colleagues here, <laughs> um, but is that what I've learned is that mental health issues, mental illness is never neat and tidy, and it's never simple. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable, and if, if it's uncomfortable for, for you as a friend, it's even more uncomfortable and distressing for that person experiencing it, and so coming along as a as a helper, as a friend, is just... Being quiet and and listening and sitting with it while they're freaking out, just sit there. They'll come, they'll calm down and then you can talk if you need to talk.
2: Another way I kind of want to almost approach this is the idea of, you know, right from when you are born, you have your experience in life, everything, you know, that you go through, that is your experience. I scrape my knee, that hurts, ouch, you know? That's my experience. But I kind of have this choice to recognize my experience um, or stay in connection with others. And so, um, you know, when, when I'm given the message from others, in order to stay connected with friends, in order to stay connected with family or culture, um, I have to have this specific experience. Um, I'm a guy, so I'm not allowed to cry about these things. Um, but I think what we kind of want to do is be able to say, this is your experience, and I want to be connected with you. Um, give them both options, essentially. Uh, when I consider like, my faith and uh,
0: my relationship with Jesus, and what I see in the Bible that Jesus is, is this incredible like, listener, and, and he does have this element of curiosity. He asks questions, and he does that so well. But I also think something we do in, in our faith is, like, we, we have this immediate response of, I'm going to pray for you. Is, is prayer your first response?
3: Please, please don't burn me at the stake for this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't pray. Um, and I'll, I'll come around to that. Um, um, Uh, Really, really, maybe... Not what you expected at church on a Sunday. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe ask yourself the question, why are you praying? Um, When we heard that story, there's this sense of like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Um, Oh, it just struck me that there's a religious studies prof here. Um, And I said not to pray. Um, uh, uh, Now I feel anxious. Um, Please, please just be here with me. Um... (laughs) uh like yeah, coming back to that question, why are you praying like there's this idea and it's a beautiful idea I don't know what's going I have a loving God that I can lean on and um rest in that's beautiful um but what often ends up happening I'll use Seb as an example like if, if Seb comes up to me um sorry if I'm doing this to you uh, if Seb comes up to me and he says something and i'm like oh i don't I don't know I feel really overwhelmed and I jump up to this prayer, what I'm doing is I jump up to that to that headspace where I'm just thinking thoughts and often my prayer is just things I want to tell Seb but for whatever reason I can't tell Seb like I, I pray that he has peace because he seems really anxious um, which is a good prayer but maybe the first step is like just sitting with him and being like, whoa, I'm moved that you feel anxious um, and I want to offer you peace um, because that that permits Seb to have his feeling when sometimes what happens when we jump into that prayer sense is one we're feeling uncomfortable but two it it can sometimes take away the validating experience of Seb because now what I'm unintentionally doing is saying oh, okay God, Seb Seb's having a rough time and he's not allowed to have a rough time um, and, and we bring this almost like moral hierarchy um, into the picture where it's this idea of like your experiences are bad and therefore you're bad, and sometimes we can even say you're bad because sin is in your life, which, oh boy. (laughs) I'm gonna stop talking. (laughs) Okay,
1: I'm gonna gonna jump in here, just for a sec, and say that, you know, um, I think sometimes jumping in with prayer right off the bat is more about calming our nerves, it's more about calming us down, and that's okay. I've been a Christian a long time, I've been loving Jesus, praying to Jesus a long time, and it was kind of a revelation to me that when Jesus said, yeah, you, the Bible says to pray continually, not always out loud. Maybe I'm praying in my heart. Maybe I'm praying silently for the calmness to know how to respond to this. that's getting out of control or that's really awkward and comfortable.
3: That was a much better way of saying everything <laughs> I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Love it. I like the idea um, that uh prayer works and you know I, i'm I'm in a group of people who i'm I kind of am uh, assuming that a lot of people would agree with that statement um, and so I guess what we 're trying to say is that prayer is not wrong prayer is not bad um, but I kind of want to be curious before I pray because you know if somebody comes up to me and gives me you know this problem this challenge uh, man i 'm I'm coping with this poorly, whatever. Um, I wanna actually hear what they have to say before I pray, pray their problem away. I wanna, I mean, even, that could even inform what you're actually praying about. You know, maybe what they, what they start talking about isn't really what's going on, but if you take the time to just sit with that person, really hear what's happening underneath. Um, yeah, man, like, <laughs> I, I think prayer could be way more effective if we actually hear what's going on
1: and we always want to if we offer prayer and they want that is we always want to welcome a loving and gentle heavenly father or um that kind jesus who comes in to bring healing and to bring hope uh if they say yes if they want that
0: yeah i'm aware of the time now but uh the way we end every, every uh, Sunday, <coughs> Sunday together, sorry, is we make the statement, love God, love people, be the church. And perhaps that is our approach <laughs> and, our, and our model to how we can effectively communicate Jesus to our world and to, to those who are struggling with, in the area of mental health and even for ourselves. Understanding that there's beauty to experience your humanity. There's, there's beauty to invite Jesus into your story. There's beauty in answer, uh, asking questions and uh, being present. Uh, that when people are on this boat that is sinking, maybe the most powerful thing that we can do in their story is to just be present. To not come immediately running with with every solution in mind and and with a prayer on our lips and with a with a rope to to save them or whatever it might be but just to understand that perhaps all they need to hear at the very beginning when they see you coming to them is that they just know that they are not alone because that is the truth of our story in our relationship with God that sometimes in my deepest darkest moments just to have the simple truth on my life that I know I am not alone, that God is with me. Not knowing how he's going to fix the situation, not knowing how the scripture is going to perfectly give me the right thing to crochet into a quilt and put onto my wall, not knowing how it's all going to perfectly fit together, but just knowing that God is with me. And then for us to be carriers of Jesus in our world, to be with people, to not have every answer, to not have the education maybe to speak perfectly into the situation or to know exactly what to say, but just to be present. And being present is difficult. Have you noticed that? Being present in our everyday conversations is extremely difficult because in the busyness and chaos of life, we have everything on our minds of what we should be saying, what we should be doing, and the next thing we have to get to, and then how we could maybe articulate the perfect thing so that we can come back and have a coffee about it and, and then get back to it. But that's not the goal. We don't have the perfect explanation of how to deal with mental health. We don't have the exact quick fix solution. But if there's one thing that we can take from this morning, it's whoever you recognize in your life that's in this situation. Maybe you can just stay on the boat. Maybe you can just listen really well. I love the phrase of being curious first. What if we're curious about people? to hear their story and not come with the solution. To to present a loving and gracious and forgiving father through our actions, perhaps more than our words. So when when we say love God, love people, be the church, I think the church is present. I think to love people is to listen. And to love God is to invite him into every single moment. Can I pray for you? It's ironic. (laughs) So in in the heaviness of this moment, uh, could you stand with me actually? In the heaviness of this moment, yeah, you can kind of sense it in the room, what you were saying. Yeah, I, I think that it's, it's very true. When you talk on this, this kind of subject material, it's, uh, it, it invites different thoughts, and we have different experiences that we reflect back upon. But in this moment, if you feel comfortable, would you just put your hands out? Um, I like having palms up, but just whatever you're comfortable with. And this, this ever-present knowledge of God with us is a beautiful invitation that we can just receive. That He is with us, that He is for us, that He wants us to know Him. So in the midst of not being sure exactly of what mental health is, and trying to analyze how we respond in moments of depression and anxiety, and learning how to listen well, We're so grateful that God is with us and that he equips us and he gives us the opportunity to learn all those things so that we can be a better representative of him in our world so that we can learn to love him and love people more and better than ever before. So Jesus right now I thank you for every single person that's here. For the invitation of grace that we do not have to earn it but you give it so freely, this unconditional love. So wherever we find ourselves today, whether it is sinking on a boat, whether it's off in a distance not knowing what to do for a friend, whether we are just so absent and unsure of what to do in every situation, we are so, so grateful that unconditional love is freely given to every single person here. So may we be curious, for our fellow man. May we be hungry to, to listen and, and to be present and give us opportunities to do that so beautifully. Thank you that this is an environment we get to learn and to listen to converse even more. We're so grateful for you. In your name we pray. Amen.